God has really been dealing with me on, on, on the topic of unity. And, um, and it, he, it's, it's, it's a stretch for me um, because it's, uh, it's an area that when you read what the Bible says about it, um, you can either go with uh, your logic, your understanding, or you can follow what God says that there are some places that our understanding is not his understanding and that you just have to look at the scriptures and say, my goodness, people marched around a wall seven times and that didn't make any sense either. And they let out, they blew a trumpet and they let out a sound and the walls fell. Or looking upon a, a bronze serpent on a pole. How in the world, Nick, do we look on a bronze serpent on a pole and we live and we don't die? That doesn't make a lot of sense to Brad Lindsay either. In fact, my mind would probably say, Oscar, that's stupid. I wouldn't do that. Why in the world would we go out and put a bronze pole and put a, st- a, a snake on it and then look upon it? And so when I read about unity, everything within me cries out and says, this is impossible. This, is, this, seems, this seems, God, you're saying this. If we do this, if we lean not on our own understanding, but if we operate in this, then the result is going to be what I'm going to tell you in, the mo- in a moment. Because, look, I've been doing this for a long time, and my thought is if we could get enough people in this room and we can get an eloquent enough speaker to speak, then they'll get converted. And if we can get enough, the best band up here and the best singers and all that sort of thing, then all of a sudden if we fill a room, then God can do His thing and then people are going to get saved. Or we can go do serve projects together and surely that will let the world know that we love them and that, and, that, and that will convert their souls. But the Bible says something totally different about, and, and we've been talking about going into the world and we've been talking about this church. We've been, maybe not you, your pastor has wallowed in his wounds for years and, and been trying to fix my life and I realize I can't fix it and God wants me as I am and he will fix it, he will change it, he'll sanctify me and clean me up if I'll keep my faith and trust in him and my eyes fixed on Jesus and stare into the perfect law of liberty then I'm changed it's nothing of me but it's him it's Christ in me that's changing me Brad's dying and he's changing me but but uh, I, I was coming and saying now it's time that we're healed to go because God said go into the go on with the great commission and man I've been wallowing so long in me it's time for me to get out of these walls and the church to get out of the walls and the first thing that I think about is, man, we got to hit the ground running and we got to pass out tracts and we got to do all kinds of sort, sort of things. And that might be a good thing, but I'm going to show you what really saves the world. You want to know what really saves the world? Do you? Some of you, about three of you. We're going to have a long road if that's it. It's unity. It's unity. And God is dealing with me on this, and I don't know how to achieve it, but I know He says to do it, and so we've got to, I, I, I've got to try to go down this road. <laughs> if this is what does it, and, and it, it may seem foolish to Brad's analytical, logical mind, then we've got to figure, I've got to figure out how to get down this road of unity. And so if it takes me in 2023 getting on my knees and begging Him, begging Him, 
to make this a reality in my life and in this church and in the church as a whole, then I'm going to do that. A lot of what I'm telling you today is out of the Word of God, and it's from other people because I, uh, of what I'm studying and learning, but, but, uh, but, but I hope God will speak to us today. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts today through your Word, that you would change our lives, God. Lord, we love you. Bring unity to us and to your people, God. No longer division, God. No longer uh, dividing us off the world. God, one time you had one church, and then all of a sudden, uh, God, uh, in the 15, 16, 100, somewhere it got off course, and it, it broke apart, and then it broke apart again, and then it broke apart again, and again, and again, and again, and again. And Lord, uh, and, and here we are today, more divided than ever. And Father, I just pray that you would help us, God, to be one church one spirit, one mind, one body. And Lord, that you would just uh, cause us, bring us together, Lord. Do the miraculous in our lives. Help us to believe this is attainable and possible, Lord. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you agree that today that, that God in heaven, that we want God to be pleased with this service? I mean, I think the way you worship today was proof that you, wanted, you, wanted, you want God to be pleased with our service today. But, but here's the thing, uh, that God would go, that was, that was beautiful, my people gathering together like that at Brookside today. It was beautiful. And, uh, but just because we gather together does not mean God is pleased with our gathering. In fact, when you read all through the scriptures, you go to the book of Amos, you go to all other places, there's times he said, I wish you would get your noise and turn it off and stop it. Because it's annoying to me. There's times that he said, I, I wish you would close the temple doors because the sacrifices and offerings that you are making to me and kindling on the altar is strange fire, and I don't want it. There are times that he told the Corinthians, he said, when you get together, it's not for the better, but it's for the worse. Right? The way you come in together and doing the Lord's Supper and all these other things and these factions and divisions, it's not for the better, it's for the worse when you come together. In Revelation 2, he told them one time, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to remove the candlestick because you've lost your first love. And over and over, sometimes when believers gather, God says, I'd rather they didn't. And I'm concerned today with if he's pleased with our gathering. I want him to be pleased with our gathering here. And John 17 has something that is very, very interesting. This is the last place where Jesus is, it's a prayer. It's a prayer right before he's about to go and be crucified. He's basically telling the disciples, I'm about to go, I'm going, and I'm going to die. And they begin to get sad. They begin to get discouraged. They begin to lose heart. And he says, don't be discouraged because he says, it's better for you that I go. Because if I go, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you another comforter. It's going to be to your advantage. And then it's like he closes it like we do after service probably today. At the end when he's talked about and done everything, now let's have a closing prayer. And all of a sudden Jesus has addressed these disciples. He's about to go to the cross. And now he says, let's have the closing prayer and that's what we find in John chapter 17 and 23 and I've read this a lot of times but there are some phrases in here that that, that, that people I've been studying began to point out and and that I had never caught in these passages of scripture and I want you to read it with me listen to what it says starting in uh, verse uh, 20 I do not pray for these alone but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. 
And the glory which you gave me, I have given to them, that they may be just as we are one in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in unity or in oneness, and that the world may know that you have sent me because they are one and have loved them as you have loved me. I don't understand that. My logical mind says that that's impossible. How is that going to work? How in the world, if we all become unified, if the, if the church outside of these walls, all these denominations, all these things begin to come together and the church begins to come together and be unified... That somehow the world is going to see God and somebody, somehow they're going to know that God loves them. No, I thought we had to fill a room, like I said, get a savvy preacher to convince them of that. I thought we had to go knock on every door and tell them that. No, this is the greatest thing that God says somehow. This is a prayer that Jesus prays. When Jesus prays, I don't think he would have prayed this prayer if he didn't think it would be answered. And every time I saw Jesus pray to the Father, the Father answered that prayer. So I don't think he's just blowing words out of the air here. That tells me if my logic gets thrown aside and I actually have the audacity to chase after this and to believe this, that God is going to do this. That God is going to do this. And there's a couple of phrases that just really stand out. And it's the phrase, just as, in verse 21. That they, all, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I'm in you. No, no. No, stop. Do you know how close the Father and the Son are? No, there's no other relationship in the whole universe that is as close as the Trinity. And he is saying, when you and I get that close, Father, let them get as close as we are to each other. Let them be that close. And then the world will know. Just as we are, let them be. No, I want you just to think about that as we rip each other new ones on the Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram. As we go home today and rip the pastor up or the praise team leader or the Sunday school teacher or somebody that we didn't like in here. Somebody that worshipped in a way that made you feel uncomfortable. And all of a sudden, he's saying, Father, Jesus, right before he goes to the cross, on his knees, Father, Father, let them be one, just as you and I are one. So that, that's another little phrase in there that I didn't catch. Just as we are, make them just as we are. So that... That, 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 that's the goal, and I've never considered that goal. Usually I considered preaching hard enough that I would convert people. I never really stopped to make this the goal, but I'm making this the goal in 2023. This is the new goal. Uh, I thought about doing events, filling rooms, going out and doing like we did you know, the other day, and we're going to do some of those things. But, but if, we, if we do all those things and don't do this, then we're not going to be effective. This should be what we're pursuing in 2023. 
And I don't even know how it can happen, but God says it can happen. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard as a pastor when somebody leaves this church and goes down the road and goes to another church to another pastor. I'll be honest. And I'm saying, how do I have unity with that? It's hard when we have theological debates with the people down the road and we have differences on issues. It's hard when I look at somebody that leaves and, 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 uh, and they're doing something with sin in their life, but they go down to the church down the road and they receive them with that sin in their life. It's hard when, we don't, when, when, when this group says, uh, we understand grace and we say we understand law and we're in all these back and forth things. And, and it's like, Lord, you're coming this year and saying, God, what do you want us to do with this? But somehow your spirit says you can bring about this unity between all of us so that the world may know that you are God and that you love them. And again, there's no way Jesus would pray this if it wasn't possible because the Father usually answered His prayers, did He not? And I don't think He wants 30 communion tables. I don't think He wants the church down the road saying, you can't partake of communion with us. Because you don't have your denominational tag on the wall. I just don't believe the Father in heaven wanted all of His children at 30 different tables partaking of His body and His blood. I believe He wanted unity. I believe He wanted us just like the Father and the Son are. That united together that somehow we could come together and be one body, one mind, one spirit and be His children And that's what I want to be a part of in the days ahead. And and I'm not talking about at the expense of holiness. And I'm not talking about at the expense of that sort of thing. That's not what I'm talking about. But I know in the past I have struggled with skepticism. I have have struggled with self-centeredness. I have... have, uh, I have struggled with all kinds of things that have kept me from this type of unity. And I believe God wants this type of unity. Another phrase in verse 23 that I missed. In, I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one. Perfectly one. Here's another phrase. So that the world may know that you have sent me. And I have loved them as, I, as you have loved me. And again, that's, that's not logical. Jesus' prayer was God make them perfectly one so that the result is the world may believe. You can get mad at me all day long, but this is not Brad Lindsay's message. These are the words of Jesus Christ that I'm simply reading to you. They will know that all other religions are wrong because you go out and knock on their doors. No, they will know all other religions are wrong. Maybe we'll knock on their doors and tell them that. But they'll know that all other religions are wrong when we get this unity thing right. And we're not getting it right right now. I'm not getting it right right now. And again, my mind says, God, if you want them to believe, then let me be able to do miracles. If I can do enough miracles, God, then that will really impress them. Call fire down from heaven. Then they'll believe in you. 
Then they'll believe you're the one that was sent. And then they'll turn from their false religion. That's not what he says. Or we bring in some famous person. And that's what the churches have done. They brought in foolishness. They brought in magicians and this and that. and I mean, literally, uh, Kanye and Beyonce. And let's do all these sorts of things to try to get. If we get a big enough crowd in our mega church, then surely, and we get enough savvy enough person preaching, then, God, you'll move and they'll believe. And that's not what he says here. Jesus said, if you want them to believe that I'm the Messiah, then become one. And you either trust that on your own understanding and say, that's illogical, I'm not doing that, who cares what he says? Or you begin to bow your knee to it and say, okay, God, I want my family saved, I want my friends saved, I want my co-workers saved, I want the neighbors around this church saved, and so I'm going to be in pursuit of this in 2023 and for the rest of my life until you come because I want to see Jesus' prayer answered by the Father. It doesn't make sense, but I trust you. And I don't know how we're going to get there, but I trust you, God. So our unity is going to prove to the world that we are loved by God. And again, that is as illogical as marching around a city seven times, letting out a shout, blasting a trumpet, and walls falling down. If it doesn't happen, they're going to look like idiots. And maybe that's why we're scared to try this. Because usually when we step outside of this camp and start to mingle with the other camp down the road that loves Jesus, we're going to get it blasted by somebody in this camp. It looks as foolish as Moses' arms being lifted up. And the battle being won, but when they were lowered down, the battle began to go the other direction. What kind of foolishness is that? Does that look smart? Does that compute with your brain that if God says lift somebody's arms up and the battle will be won, that, that, that we're going to do that? Are you going to do it? Are you, uh, that's stupid. You come to the pastor, hey, I got an idea. This is what God told me. I'd probably look at you and say, that's crazy. But this book says, when you trust me and when you do this, then I'm going to do this. When you do this, I'm going to come through. So you can either again go with your own logic or you can trust and lean on the everlasting arms of God and you can trust and believe God that He is going to work this out somehow. So, so we must pursue this if we're going to reach the world. Look at Philippians 1, 27-28 because Paul felt the same exact way that Jesus felt, surprisingly. And Paul writes something here also that just is amazing in this passage of Scripture there. Go to Philippians 1, 27 through 28, and look at what Paul goes on to write about this. He says this, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that whether I come to see you or I am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit... With one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I want you to be in one mind. I want you to be in one spirit. And I want you to strive together for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries. When you do this, you will not be afraid of your adversaries. Which is to them a proof of perdition of their destruction but of your salvation. No, that's the same thing Jesus just said. 
Now Paul is saying when you're unified, when you're working in one mind, one body, one spirit, the world's going to see it and they're going to be reminded of their destruction and your salvation. They're going to say, you're saved and we're not. All you evangelists and outreach people who are dying to get out there, get this right first and we'll see salvation. And that is from God. Paul says you want to live in a manner worthy of Christ? Have one mind. Have one spirit. Strive side by side. Not afraid of anything. Do you know that when we strive together as the church, we're not afraid? Do you know that's why I love missions? Because when I go on missions, all of a sudden I show up with a bunch of strangers of all kind of denominations. And we begin to be of one mind, one spirit. We're not arguing over doctrine or stupidity. We are of one mind and one spirit. I know they love Jesus. I know they believe Jesus Christ is the only way to their salvation. I see evidence of the spirit in their life. We begin to work together in one mind. We begin to work together in one heart. We begin to work together in one spirit. And all of a sudden, the spirit of God begins to move in our lives. And we see all this kind of outworking of the power of God. And I begin to to be bold, I'm not afraid of anything. It's like if we get in a debate with somebody out there and we've got somebody from the higher-minded uh, liturgical churches, theologians, and all of a sudden they begin to debate and say, Brad, what do you think about that? I can bow up my chest and say, I don't know, ask the Anglican guy over there. Right? Right? No, Seriously. You think that sounds crazy? I I had all kind of stereotypes about all these places until I showed up at some of them and found out the people within them love Jesus more than I do. Or all of a sudden you 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 uh, you, you got people praying. Do you know how much Asians pray? South Korea, they're praying 24 hours a day on a prayer mountain. You know what? I feel strong when I know there's somebody out there. I try to go pray for a few hours and all minutes, or, and all of a sudden I'm nodding off going to sleep. It makes me feel good to know i got brothers and sisters that are, that are praying like wildfire out there. One mind, one spirit striving together so that we're not afraid. That's the result. And, but they're aware. It causes the world to be aware. It's a clear sign to the world of their destruction. And we live in a time when nobody believes in destruction anymore. Not even in the church. Don't even believe there is a judgment day. Are you crazy? You only have to get to page two of the Bible and God's killing people. And you don't believe in judgment? How in the world is the world going to believe in judgment if we don't believe in judgment in this room? But when you believe you're in one mind, you're in one spirit, all of a sudden the world's going to see you're saved and we're not and we're headed for destruction. We're going to be destroyed and all of a sudden they begin to see that. So I'm coming to the point where I'm starting to just say, God, I'm 51 years old and I've tried everything and now I just really want to quit trying Brad's ideas and Brad's logic and Brad's thinking and Brad's trying to woo with a sermon and figure out how to do an eloquent 
that sermon? No, I'd kind of rather go Paul's way to say I didn't come to you with eloquent words, but it came to you in demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. If all I get up here is read the Bible, how can you get any better than just reading the Bible? When I mix all me into it, it gets all fouled up. So I'm coming to the point where I, I just want to try to go in and things like this and just believe the book. And now is the time that we are, we, are, we, are, we are struck, like I said, with our own logic or we become one people and we believe this and we fight for this unity. We get on our face in prayer and say, God, help us. Because we can fill rooms with marketing. We've already proven that in the modern day church. We can fill rooms with CEOs running the churches and we can get the best speakers we can get the best bands but I don't want that that doesn't bring the fire from heaven that doesn't bring the supernatural and we've seen that now it's left people empty and dry and dead and lifeless and they're exiting the church in droves but what will bring them here is the power the unity of the body and the power of almighty God and we will see the supernatural until people become new creations in Christ and old things pass away and everything becomes new Another miracle that took place in the Bible was the building of the temple. The building of the temple. You remember it, Second Chronicles? And you remember how when they got through in chapter 7 and, and, and Solomon, they've erected this glorious, man of this magnificent uh, uh, temple. And all of a sudden, the, 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 they do everything. They get the sacrifice inside of there. And then they leave out of the temple and all go outside. And you remember what the Bible says? When the pastor prays, would you pray? And when he prays, all of a sudden, the fire from heaven fell and consumed the sacrifice that was inside of there. And then it says the glory of God began to descend upon that place. And all the people that were out there, the church, they were all unified and they were all shouting and falling on their faces and praying and singing, the Lord is good, God is good, and His mercy endures forever. Wouldn't it be cool if we could reenact that? But we can't. But I tell you what, we are. We are now the temple. The reason we can't reenact that is because God doesn't have a physical temple somewhere where his presence dwells inside. He says, Now you are the temple. You are the temple of the living God. And God's spirit dwells inside of you. Folks, do you understand the early church? Do you know this? Do you know what they called Mary? Like, like we've lost the fear of God. Do you understand the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? It's like we've preached for the last several years, uh, built a house without a foundation. And all the church world and all the young people today, it's like we built a house of Jesus, but there is no foundation because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's like they have no fear or reverence of God. And now we've got to go back and rebuild and try to put a foundation under this thing and say, you need to fear this God. Because what happened when you got closer into the temple, you went from the outer court, there was more noise, but the closer you got into the inner court and to the Holy of Holies, it got hush and it got quiet and you got into the presence of God and there was this awe and there was this fear and all of a sudden there was an ark there and there was a mercy seat and God, the Shekinah glory dwelt there and only the priest could go inside of there and if he dared touch it, he dies. That's how serious it was. Do you know what they called Mary when she showed up on the earth and has Jesus? Do you know what sometimes some of the early church called her? The Ark of God. 
No, Jesus is in you. Can you imagine if Mary were walking down the road? And even if she bumped into you and you knew Jesus is inside her, hey! Would you treat her that way? Knowing the Son of God is inside her womb. And yet you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And you have the Holy Spirit. And you have the Holy Spirit if you're believers in Jesus Christ. And we treat each other. With such vileness. Two days ago, my wife started reading me. So I said, I don't want to hear this. Supposed Christians tearing each other to shreds on Facebook. I said, I don't want to hear this. No, I want you to start seeing each other as the ark. And when you touch the glory inside of there and you begin to talk about me. With Jesus lives in me. Or I talk about you. Or I talk about the Baptist down the road. Or the Lutheran or the Methodist or whoever. Be careful. Be very, very careful. We are the temple of God. Again, I'm not talking about calling out sin when we need to call out sin and that sort of thing. I think you know on record I've preached enough. I've preached some hard sin, hell, fire, brimstone messages, right? But we are the temple. And what Paul is saying here is not, is not you individually in this passage of Scripture. There's a, there's a reference to that. But where he, most of the time when he talks about temple, he talks about y'all. He's a little southern guy. And he talks about y'all from southern Israel. He says, y'all, you all are the temple of God. You collectively are the temple of God. And the Spirit of God, when you are together, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And whoever touches this temple, whoever touches it and tries to come against it, I'll destroy them. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, then God will destroy them. God's temple is holy and you all, not just you individually, you all are God's temple. That's what he's saying there. It's not singular, it's plural. Listen to what he says. He says, somehow when we come together as the temple, in 1 Peter 2.4, he says, you come to him as living stones. He says, you come to the temple as living stones, individual. The temple is singular, but we all as living stones are plural. We're many. And we come together as living stones, the Bible says, rejected by man, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. So once again, be careful, little tongue, what you say when you leave church. Be careful, little keyboard, what you type. He says, he says, rejected of men, but in the sight of God, chosen stones and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices accessible, uh, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are like this. This is not my example. Can you see that? Get your readers on. That's a Lego piece. And I heard a preacher use this, and he said, he said he used to, and I get it because I did too. 
I used to be so proud of being a Lego piece. And I used to be so proud. Look at those edges. You see my Lego piece? It's better. Look at those edges. And I wanted to impress. And I wanted to preach to you and make everybody impressed by my Lego piece individually. Boy, I can teach. Boy, I can preach. Boy, I can sing. Man, those other, those other Lego pieces, they're all right, but they mess me up. If I was just up there with the right Lego pieces, we'd be great. I'm actually a little bit different than the other Lego pieces. I'm sharper. I'm cleaner. But that's not what Legos are for. Anybody know what Legos are for? No one marbles at one piece of Lego. In fact, usually we curse it when we step on it in the kid's room. Nobody marvels at that and says, wow, what an awesome Lego piece. Man, I'm glad I got this Lego piece. Nobody does that. Uh, you know, uh, and, 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 but, but, but what we do marvel at. Ooh, cold's going to kill me. What we do marvel at is when the precious Lego pieces are brought together. And brick by brick, they're put together. And they create a spiritual house, or in this case, a spiritual boat. Maybe the old ship of Zion or something. And the glory of God comes into that, right? Into that one building. And, and, and I don't want to be a stone anymore by myself. I don't want to be a stone by myself anymore in 2023. Uh, when I was meant to stack on other stones and beside other stones and become a spiritual house where God can dwell. Bricks, there were bricks all over Jerusalem. Hear me well, I'm about to close. There were bricks all over Jerusalem. But guess what bricks got to see the glory fall down on the temple? It wasn't the other bricks that were outside. It wasn't the bricks that said, no, I'm not going to be part of that. I'm going to be out here. No, it's not the bricks all the way out there by themselves. I can do this Jesus thing by myself. No, it's the bricks that came together to build the temple. And that's the ones that saw the miracle. That's the ones that saw the glory fall and the fire fall from heaven. That's where the supernatural power came. And I want to be that. I don't want to be the guy on stage anymore. As long as I can be in the parking lot, I don't care as long as I get to go outside be staring there when the power and glory of God if it's teaching a Sunday school class if it's being a doorkeeper in the house of God if it's opening the door I don't care as long as I'm there and I see the glory come down amen so I must stay connected to church to each other to the body of Christ let me prove it in closing. There was a unity in Acts 2. The people loved each other. They were of one mind. One spirit striving together for the gospel. There was only one church. It wasn't split off. Oh, we're Baptists. We can't hang with you. We're charismatic. We're Pentecostal. One church. They began praying together. And when they had unity, what happened? The fire fell down on the temple. 
Peter, your hair's on fire. No, yeah, we're the temple now. John, the, the fire fell on the temple. On the temple. That's not on the Jerusalem temple. On us. We are the temple of God. When the pieces came together in unity, in love, in one mind, in one spirit. Then all of a sudden the glory and the fire fell. And God began to put His mark on those people. And what began to happen after that? Oh, just think about it. They went outside and 3,000 people came to know the Lord. Was that not Jesus' prayer? When you become one even as I and the Father are one what's going to happen the world will believe and know that I love you Jesus dear God Brookside Church of God stop it get it together Brad Lindsay get it together I've hurt some of you. I'm sorry. I have talked about some of you. I'm sorry. I, have a, I had no foundation and respect for the awe and the carrier, the Marys in this room. And hopefully never again. But we want to just fight and fuss and say, I'm of Paulus. I'm of Cephas. I'm of this one. I'm of that one. And Paul says, you don't understand. You're supposed to be one temple. And Christ isn't divided. And you're like stones stacked together. Becoming together. Ephesians 2 says it like this. It tells us that Jesus is the cornerstone. Verses 19 through 22. We're built on a foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And there is a foundation laid. And there is a cornerstone. And then there's Paul's brick. And then there's Peter's stone. And then there's Isaiah's stone. And then there's Jeremiah's stone. And then there's Corey Tim Boom's stone. And then there's Richard Wormbrand's stone. And then there's Billy Graham's stone. And I'm saying, dear God, I don't want to be outside by myself any longer. I want to be joined to that temple. I want to be joined to that temple. Join me. Join my stone to that temple. Squeeze me in there somewhere and let yourself, because I can think of no better people to be joined with than these people nor you I can think of no better stone to be joined with you and with Sharon Heights and with Bivens and with whoever else is part of the family of God I can think of no better stone than to be joined to or you can continue to be one Lego piece out there by yourself and that's very stupid what time is it Ten minutes, man. I'm good here. Let me share one more example. Because it seems impossible. Like, how are we going to, how are we going to do this? I mean, the church has been factioned off and you know, you know, th- this is why people have become sick of denominations. You, you do understand why the young people are like, are like done with it. Because they're saying, can't we just be one? Can't we just come together somehow and, and, just, and just... Because listen to, what, listen to what the Bible says. A house divided cannot stand. And today we're seeing a lot of houses divided. And, and Jesus' promise is true. They're not standing. 
Or if we are a kingdom that is together, we will stand. And for centuries, the church was not divided. And then it got divided. And, and it seems like God is bringing it all down. But I have hope that, that, that it's going to cause us to come together as this spiritual house when we begin to wake up to this. It's like, uh, it's like the, an example was a, was a baseball game that this pastor that I was reading the book about came out and said that when he was nine years old, his son, his nine-year-old baseball uh, team, he, all of a sudden he's watching the baseball game and this, uh, his, his son is next up to bat and his son's little friend runs to the bases, tied 12 to 12 he runs to the base and all of a sudden he, he they call him they call him safe but and his kids up to bat and he's thinking man if my kid hits this we've got the whole kit and caboodle this is it but all of a sudden before his kid could get up to bat a brawl broke out about the kid on first base about who was safe whether he was safe or not and all of a sudden it got heated and the people began to scream at each other they began to curse at one another and before long they began to fight one another another one they, they were, police were called ambulances was called one of the guys broke his leg in the fight kids were crying and screaming and this pastor was sitting there through all of this and he was thinking what is going on here and he said I got home that night and he said it just hit me so strong I could have done something about that I should have done something about that I could have stood up and screamed, if nothing else. What are you doing? These are nine-year-old kids. What in the world are you thinking? He said, I could have run down, thrown dirt on myself, and went to the pitcher's mound and just caught enough people to get my attention and say, stop. And that's what I'm doing today. Because I'm saying enough is enough. The church is so disunified and so broken up. And for God's sake, Brookside, stop! If nobody else is screaming, I'll scream it. Stop! Stop the disunity! Stop the division! Stop it! Your Father in heaven is not pleased! Stop it! Stop talking about each other! Stop ripping each other down! Stop ripping leadership! Stop ripping this one! And stop reaching that one! God told us what works and it's unity. And it's almost like we've accepted this spirit of divorce because in 1054, the church was together. 1054, it splits into East and the West. Roman Catholic versus Eastern Orthodox. Then later, the Anglican split. Then the Protestant Reformation comes and there's a split off. And then there's another split off after split off after split off after split off and denominations and all sorts of competition. And we kind of inherited this divorce mentality from our parents now and almost assume that this is what we are stuck with and this is not my example either I'm preaching a lot of another person's message and I'm sorry but it's so good it's worth repeating and he said remember the movie Parent Trap y'all remember that movie do you remember one of the, the, the these were twins who didn't know each other they go to summer camp all of a sudden they see each other and they're like you look like me what? You look exactly like me. Surely we've got the same parents. And all of a sudden, 
They begin to talk. I live with my dad. I live with my mom. Wait a minute. And so they begin to talk and they decide, our parents did this. And we got to do something about it. And so one goes, they split and they go the opposite directions. And one goes to the mother and one goes to the father the opposite. And they find out they really, really are related. And they, 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 they begin to, uh, it's like our parents have been keeping us apart. And we figured out a plan to, to, to bring our parents back together and everything back together. And that's what it's like when I went on missions trips. And all of a sudden I'm sitting there in England. And, all the, and there's all types of different denominations there. And I'm watching people as they get up to pray. And in my mind, I'm thinking what my ancestors and fathers have told me. Oh, don't, uh, don't, 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 don't associate with them. They don't know God. Don't, 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 don't be very leery of that guy. And all of a sudden I'm standing back. And when they get up there to pray and when they get up there to preach and when they get up there to sing and, or when I meet them later at a room somewhere and I'm thinking, this guy knows God. But our parents have kept us apart. You look like me. You look like my father in heaven. No, who is my father and brother and brother and sister? It's those who do the will of God. These are my father and my mother and my sister and my brother. And so, yeah, we have theological differences that we have to work through. And I don't know how you work through them. What if it's a parent trap generation where we rise up and say, no more. You look like me. Wait, I see you. Do we have the same daddy? Do we have the same father? Wait. No, they told me in my group not to hang with you. They told me be weary of you. see Jesus in you. Oh, Father. Oh, Jesus. Lord, as the world gets darker, there's a group of people, God, that I believe there's going to be a fire. There's going to be a fire. And we're going to realize we can't do it alone. God, this world's so fragmented. It's so divided. Women against men, men against women, children against parents. Dear God, and somehow we let it get into the church. Father, help us, Lord, to be one just as you are one, God. So that this world may know that you love them and that you love us. Dear God, if we could do anything dealing with outreach in 2023 and reaching the world, we're not going to do anything effective until we do this. So, Father, I pray with everything in me that you would help us to achieve what you're asking us here to do, God. I'm not leaning on my own understanding, but I am leaning on yours. 
And if your word says this, and if Jesus prayed this, then I'm going to walk towards it. And I'm going to lead this church towards it. And Father, I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name.